Welcome to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I am Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's going on, Todd? Hey, Corey. Not too much. Very cool. You're you're calling in from the undisclosed location. <laughs> it's Dick Cheney's bunker. <laughs> Very nice. All right, let's start with the campaign to replace Chris Stewart in Congressional District 2. Celeste Malloy, candidate, she sent a news release announcing that her two GOP competitors, that's uh, Becky Edwards and Bruce Huff, had agreed to an aggressive slate of pre-primary debates, like several. But I guess that was an oops because Becky turned around and said she never agreed to that. She And she had no intention of attending any of their, her competitors' campaign events, as she as she called them. So, so Celeste and Bruce have had two debates so far, one in Farmington and one in St. George. And Becky did not participate in either one. And I'd love to hear if you were there. But from reports, it seems they mostly agreed with one another, mostly boilerplate Republican stuff, which is good, you know. Um, Bruce Huff criticized um, Celeste Malloy for not voting in Utah for several elections while she was in D.C. And Celeste Malloy highlighted the fact that uh, Huff lives in Park City outside the district. So ballots are going out on Tuesday this week, Todd. It's so fast. It really is. How do you handicap the race at this point? Well, let me first of all say I, I did not visit. Uh, I was not present at either debate. The, the Farmington one, which is in my neck of the woods, happened to take place when I was out of town on a little vacation with my wife. Otherwise, I probably would have gone to that. I will say, first of all, um, only dozens of people are watching these and the people going to them um, are usually either, you know, spies for Becky's campaign or ardent supporters of either Bruce or Celeste. There's very few people going that are truly, you know, trying to decide who to vote for. But, you know, maybe a few, but uh, these aren't being broadcast on TV or anything. Um, Becky is technically right. These are Celeste Malloy's campaign events. However, the two that have been held have been held by the county parties. And so, and, and I know they've involved the state party officials as well. Um, so the debate in Farmington was hosted by Yemi, who is the current Davis County GOP chair, and by Daniela, who's the former uh, D- Davis County GOP chair. So, so I think Celeste was smart to do that. Um, and, you know, Becky's response, um, I think it's fair. You know, th- these are <laughs> campaign events for Celeste Malloy's campaign, and I'm going to set up my own events. I, I think that the people probably deserve a debate with all three of them. And, you know, maybe the League of Women Voters or maybe the state party should have set up those debates. But I don't know that Becky's non-participation is going to hurt her all that much. I will say um, the Farmington debate sounds like it was mostly a love fest. But in St. George, I think Bruce came out swinging a little bit and did try to differentiate, um, you know, some stances and had an interesting proposal uh, on on water. And I think the uh, the the, pipe, the water pipeline that's been proposed for Washington County and things like that. And um, I think Bruce and Becky have gone up on TV and Celeste has gone up on radio. Have you heard any of those ads? I think Celeste. Well, no, that's what I was going to ask you, too, is I, yeah. I, I basically don't. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to say I basically don't watch broadcast tv except to watch football and football season so maybe i'll start seeing them well i don't either um i heard i've heard celeste ads on um ksl radio and they're pretty good saying hey i was born in a trailer in a trailer park and uh, i'm a self-made woman and um i've seen some of becky's ads on social media like instagram and facebook like when you're scrolling through you get an ad i have not seen any bruce's ads yet but I, i hear they're up now uh this race has not changed since the last two or three times we talked about it 
I don't know who's going to win. I think it's anyone's race. I think any one of those three could win. Um, I don't know how it's going to shake out. Um, I, I was talking to someone recently and they said that they felt like, and I think this is true, that Becky has a ceiling. And whether that's 28% or 30% or 32%, um, I, I think that Becky Edwards has the highest name ID, but I think that there's there's a certain amount of Republicans who will not vote for her because they perceive her as too moderate or too liberal. Well, 32% sounds like a pretty high ceiling, frankly. And I mean, yeah, um, you know, that could actually put her in contention, I would think. But well, if yeah. it's a three-way race, someone's got to get above 33. So, you know, either they all tie for 33 or someone gets above 33. Yeah, so that's pretty close though, 32. I mean, yeah. you're, getting, you're getting pretty close there at that point. So I, I went to his website and I have seen him on YouTube. So he has several videos up that I, or commercials. I, I haven't, I don't know that they've been on TV or not. That's what I don't know, but, but they're, you know, they're pretty good and everything. And I assume that he'll have the money for mailers and uh, all those different types of things Yeah, um, for CD2. I, and I just want to repeat kind of, I know all three of these people. I like all three of these people. I don't think there's necessarily a bad choice among them. If you're really conservative, you're probably not going to vote for Becky. Uh, if you're really moderate, you're probably not going to vote for uh, Bruce has really, I think, staked out some um, some, you know, really conservative positions. I think he's trying to um, differentiate himself as being to the right of Celeste. I'm not sure that he is. I think that's where he's, his campaign is trying to place him in the in the mix. And you know, that's an interesting place because, you know, uh, if you're in the middle, if 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 Celeste gets squeezed out in the middle, so the conservatives are going with Bruce and the moderates are going with Becky, that's an that's an, a lonely place to be uh, in politics is in the middle. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I actually do think there is a wrong choice there. I mean, definitely Becky Edwards would be the wrong choice of the three. But, um, you know, and I, I still think that we should I I would hope that folks would remember that the convention matters and ought to matter and ought to be something that we keep in mind and that sort of thing. Well, um, as I recall it, I think there was like 729 delegates. Uh, Bruce Huff got 14 votes and I think Becky just about doubled him up. So, uh, <laughs> so about double that uh, in Democrats who went to the convention. <laughs> um, I'm sure some of those are Republican, maybe not all, but um And I, I just want to, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not here to campaign for any one of these three, but Becky was selected and nominated by Republican delegates in Davis County and on five different races for the state legislature. So I know people like to joke that she's a Democrat and um, I'm not here to defend her or to attack her. But, you know, she has been through the convention caucus before and has been successful. I just want to remind people of that five times. So, yeah. And I do wonder we could go back in time. I'd love to see what the campaign looked like because her yeah. campaign for Senate was moderate is not the word you know it was it was uh well she's running against mike lee left I of center her <laughs> first camp her first campaign for the legislature she was against paul neuenschwander who was like a sophomore when he he was running for a second term and he was definitely more conservative than her and she, and she beat him uh which kind of goes to show that her her district is not necessarily a, a real at least 15 years ago it wasn't a real conservative district mm -hmm. And she worked hard and people like her. I mean, personally, she's very likable. I, I don't doubt that at all. President Joe Biden made a visit to Utah this week. He was greeted from Air Force One by Utah Governor Spencer Cox, uh, First Lady Abby, Abby Cox, 
the Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall and Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson. I don't believe that Senators Mike Lee or Mitt Romney met with the president during uh, his stay um, or any of the other delegation, as far as I know. On Thursday, uh, Biden visited Salt Lake City's Veteran Affairs Health Center to highlight the first anniversary of the PACT Act. This is related to benefits to military vet veterans who were harmed by exposure to toxic burn pits um, in, in Iraq and other places. President Biden, he believes that his son, Bo, died from brain cancer caused by the burn pit exposure in Iraq. I don't know that there's any evidence or proof that he's right about that, but but that is definitely what he believes. So it's an issue he cares about. And there's no evidence to prove he's wrong. But I mean, but sure. he, he says it like it's a scientific fact. Yeah. So he says it like it's a fact. Afterwards, uh, he headlined a, a high dollar fundraiser in Park City. Tickets for the event started at $3,300 reportedly, up to $100,000 if you wanted to be a host. And Todd, only $50,000 if you wanted a photo with the president. I'd say let's don't and say we did, but somebody, some did. <laughs> um, but before we turn to the, uh, you know, there's a there's also a tragedy associated with this visit and the monument designation. I want to talk about those two in just a minute. But um, do you have any reflections on President Biden's visit to Utah? Yeah, yeah, several thoughts. So some Republicans will criticize Spencer Cox for being there, um, and I will say uh, the governor of the state of Utah absolutely should be there to shake the hand of the president, regardless of what party he's in. Um, there are some times when you, uh, re re you know, respect the office, regardless of who's in the office. And that was a classy thing for the governor to do. In fact, he and Abby got in the president's limousine and drove, I don't know how far with them, but by the time the president received or arrived at Hotel Monaco, where he stayed the night, uh, the Coxes weren't in the limousine. So apparently they stopped and dropped them off at some point between the airport and hotel. Yeah, they opened the door and said, get yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, tuck and roll, tuck and roll. Um, and, you know, uh, Jenny Wilson and Aaron Mendenhall, both mayors of, you know, the capital city and the biggest county. And I think it's totally appropriate for them to be there as well. So, and, uh, you know, uh, a couple other thoughts. Um, so I think that the first anniversary of the PACT Act was an excuse so that he could do a presidential visit and have the uh, taxpayers pay for his visit and and then do a fundraiser in Park City, which, you know, it's become in vogue the last six or eight years to come and treat Park City like an ATM for, can you know, national candidates. And there's a lot of money there to be had. Um, I heard a rumor that at the Hotel Monaco, um, that the DNC was shopping around trying to get someone to have dinner with him for just $750,000 donation. Uh, I'm not sure if they, um, they, 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 anybody bit on that. Usually that, that opportunity would be a million dollars in a bigger city, but in Utah, it was only 750,000. So I don't have that kind of money, Corey. And if I did, I certainly wouldn't spend it on having dinner with President Biden. The other, other thing I'm gonna say is I've talked to some Democrat friends who were at the Veterans Center. And look, at the, if he wanted to celebrate the PACT Act, there's veterans in all 50 states. There's no unique reason to come to Utah. And there's also nothing wrong with coming to Utah to celebrate that. But the real reason he came was for Park City and you know for that designation in Arizona. But what I was going to say is um, uh, President Biden, he drew a big crowd. They were an enthusiastic crowd. And he went around the room, which he didn't have to do, and literally sh shook every hand he could and I conversed with people. I saw a picture on Instagram of uh, one of my friends who brought her 12-year-old daughter who was, you know, being hugged by, the, well, I mean, just one arm around her, nothing inappropriate. Um, but he seemed to go out of his way. Um, and he was even shaking reporters' hands. I heard Lindsay Ertz, you know, on KSL saying, 
my, you know, I'm going to go home and show my kids the hand that shook, you know, President Biden's hand. And, you know, I think whether he's your guy or not, I mean, he is the president of the United States, and that's something that people will tell their grandkids about. So he did, uh, he did seem to go out of his way to be gregarious and um, uh, forthcoming. I didn't listen to a speech. I won't listen to a speech. Not that I, I'm protesting. I'm just not that interested. I also didn't listen to the the debates between Celeste and Bruce. I, I would be interested in those. I just, I just, I haven't watched them. I don't know if they're available anymore. Um, the monument, of course, is. A, Wait, so real quick, let me, let, yeah. let, let's get to that. But let yeah. me say real quick, I, I also agree that it's totally appropriate and the, the right thing to do for, for Governor Cox to, yeah. to greet the president. I mean, regardless of the president, I think that's the right thing to do. Um, but uh, it is interesting that he went to Park City and, and, uh, <laughs> and I always joke with my friends back in DC who have nothing to do with Utah, know very little about it. I like Park City, same as everyone else, or whatever. But I, but I always refer to it as occupied Utah, mostly. I mean, <laughs> even though my my cousin lives there, and you know, there are some people, true true Utahns there, but you know, a whole lot are not. And so, uh, so it's interesting that, of course, you know, you're going to visit Utah. That's where you're going to go. But uh, it's probably, you know, anytime that a president visits Utah is is big news, and I assume it'll be the last and um, I'll be interested to see if uh, Republican candidates, any of them visit Utah. Uh, Trump has in the past. Uh, we'll be interested to see if. if before, before we go to the monument, uh, Debbie Jujanovic, who's a personality on KSL radio, she created quite a stir on Twitter this weekend because she, she basically said um, Utah got the highest per capita share of the stimulus checks that were mailed out to families across the country. All that means is Utah has a higher, you know, higher number of kids than the national average. But her her point was, uh, is because Utahns cashed the, those checks and spent that money, that somehow they forfeited the right to criticize President Biden. I don't follow her logic. Um, and uh, apparently a lot of people were kind of... Um, you know, trashing on the president on their social media. I didn't trash on him uh, too much. Um, you know, um, I, I, well, uh, let's just say I, I, I just thought that was an interesting argument from a Utah personality to say, if you, if you receive stimulus money, then you, you can't criticize the president. Um, I mean, obviously that's total nonsense because yeah, it was the government silly. that imposed the problem. And so I think that it was a very interesting moment in time. If you took PPP money, I would think that we also have more startups. We have all, more small businesses yeah. per capita in Utah than probably about anywhere else too. And, uh, and it wasn't you know, Biden's money that he was giving away or Trump's money. It was our taxpayer money that we have to pay back and our grandkids have to pay back. So. Okay, let's turn to the monument designation. So before visiting Utah, President Biden dropped into Arizona to create a new 917,000 acre national monument in northern Arizona. The purpose uh, was to preserve um, sacred Indian grounds. Um, I mean, really, they wanted to block uranium mining in, the, in that Arizona strip. Uh, President Obama had enacted a 20 year moratorium on mining in that space. This monument would monument designation would prohibit that permanently. And I'm going to read President, or I'm sorry, Governor Cox's response, which I thought was great. This monument designation is frustrating news, especially for residents of Utah along the Arizona Strip. As I've said many times before, massive landscape style monuments like this are a mistake. These designations increase visitation without providing any additional resources for law enforcement and infrastructure to protect sensitive areas. They also needlessly restrict access to the critical minerals 
that are key to cell phones, satellites, U.S. defense systems, and so many other American industries. I still believe the only right way to create large new land designations is through Congress in coordination with local leaders and residents, a process that brings all voices to the table and offers the necessary funding. Amen to that. I think that was that is entirely correct. I totally agree with him. I'm so glad he said that. This is election time pandering to the radical environmental lobby. That really has very little to do with protecting the Grand Canyon. Um, obviously, Bill Clinton did the same thing back in 1996 when he designated um, larger Grand Staircase, grand staircase um, in Utah and also a, a larger swath for, for the Grand Canyon under are using the Antiquities Act, which is one of the most disastrous and ill-conceived statutes in American history, I believe. And I, I, I want to I want, I want to highlight one of the points that uh, Governor Cox made, which was about critical minerals. It is ironic that, you know, in order, if we want to have an en energy transition, and I know the Democrats do, I know these environmentalists supposedly do, and President Biden do, supposedly does. Well, in order to make that transition for clean fuels and clean fuel vehicles, you need critical minerals to operate um, the machines. And, you know, uranium is part of that. Lithium is part of that. Cobalt is part of that. Uh, but we can't mine it in this country anymore. We can't uh, refine it in this country anymore, and it's just kind of ironic. We're gonna we're gonna try to to uh, push all that out to China, where if there's you know whatever environmental degradation is happening is still happening. Whatever CO two is being released is still being released into the you know into the same world and that sort of thing. So it's you know I I believe this is election pandering. I don't. I don't think it does anything to protect the, the Grand Canyon, which was already protected. And we all agree that it should be protected. What do you think, Todd? Yeah, so I agree with everything you and Spencer Cox have said. And let me just say, um, nobody has a, a good frame of reference for the size of a national park or a national monument. But we hear a lot in Utah about the Mighty Five. That includes Zions and Bryce and, and Canyonlands and, and those five national parks that we historically had. If you add all four of those up together, I think it's around, um, I, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's about 400,000 acres. It might be 700,000 acres. So this is 900, uh, did you say 900? Yep. 917. So, so, this, so this designation is bigger than all five of the national parks, or national, yeah, together in Utah. Um, and um, Grand Staircase was three times the size of all five national parks, and Bears Ears, the original designation, was over double the size of the five national parks. And so people, you know, they hear this on the news and they're like, oh, well, that seems like a good thing. No, these are huge land grabs. And there's one thing you didn't mention is there are private property owners within these 900,000 um, acres that Biden has designated. And there's no rhyme or reason for what's going to happen to these private property owners because theoretically they have a right to mine uranium on their land if, if they can get their permits and things like that. The other thing I, the other thought I have is this is only going to last so long until the government needs uranium. And once there's some type of national emergency, you're going to see the federal government out there mining uranium, not, not inside the Grand Canyon, but in areas, you know, that aren't going to be sensitive areas to either sightseeing tourism or, or the Native American population. So I, I, I agree with you. This is mostly a political stunt. And examples like this are what just I just can't take the, the argument seriously that we're trying to save the planet. That's, if, if climate change, in their words, is so urgent and it's a it's a the world is going to be burned tomorrow type of thing, then you think that we would 
actually be serious about solutions if that were true. Mm-hmm. And obviously, nuclear power is the cleanest and most most reliable probably energy source in the world. Uh, but we got to block uranium, uranium mining. We want to get uh, alternative fuel cars. We want to get electric cars. Well, you have to have lithium. You have to have yeah. cobalt. You have to have so many of these other critical minerals. Yeah. But, but we can't mine them. We can't refine them. And it's just, uh, it's kind of a joke. And so I just don't take it seriously at all. It's just the typical not in my backyard mentality. So it's fine if we get all those from China or India or whatever, but but no, we have to. Anyway, one last thought, um, a little credit to Biden. At least he went to Arizona to designate this Arizona <laughs> Strip. Obama went, or Clinton went to Arizona to designate strength, Grand Staircase. But many people have forgotten, but when Bears Ears was announced, President by President Obama's White House, it would just it just popped up on his website as Barack Obama was in Hawaii golfing. So at least Biden and Clinton went to Arizona. They, they didn't come to you. I mean, Clinton didn't step foot in Utah. Biden came to Utah afterwards. But uh, this is bad, but it's not as bad as Obama doing it from, yeah, from total cowardice. golf course in Hawaii. Okay, there's one more element about the visit, and this is this is a much um, sadder note. So, FBI agents investigated uh, this gentleman who in, who lives in Provo, who had been posting some some kind of some crazy stuff on social media, including threats to um, President Biden. So, they had been he, he had been on their radar before, and so they went and visited him. I think in the spring and and Six months ago or, or whatever else. Uh, he told him, you know, don't I don't want to talk to you unless you have a warrant. He's kind of an eccentric kind of guy. The the na- the neighbors described him as really a friendly guy who was always helping people with projects, um, you know, around their yards. But he was a little eccentric in his old age. He was the ward clerk. Um, well, FBI agents this week, this past week, they broke into his house and shot him. And we don't know the story. We don't know exactly what happened. We don't know if he pulled a gun on them. Uh, all of that is still remain undercover, and I don't know why we need we need to know the details of something like this. One of his neighbors described him. He said he seemed like kind of a weird old guy, but everyone knows a weird old guy. You wouldn't imagine that the FBI would come and shoot him. Yeah. And so I, I really want to know. You know, obviously, if if he's pulling a gun on FBI agents or threatening them, then that's you know a, a story. Uh, but I would like to know the details of this, and I absolutely guarantee if um, you know if. If uh, race was involved, <laughs> you know, he, he was a different race or, you know, that this would be international news. Yeah. And I, w- I brought this up to one of my co, uh, uh, t- I'm sorry, to, to a friend here in, uh, in Utah County. And they're like, they hadn't even heard of it. And oh, wow. So, you know, it was kind of, it's, it's one of those stories that. It, it, you know, it's been all over, Corey. If they haven't heard of it, that's a reflection on them more than anything else. Let me I think just it know. has now, but like within yeah. a couple of days, a few days after it, like oh, I, I, my phone was blowing up uh, within hours of it happening. But let me just say this. I, I do not believe the FBI is systematically executing enemies of the president. Um, I, I'd like to know the full story. I, and until I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume even though I've, you know, the FBI has kind of moved down my list of agencies to trust, but I'm going to assume they had a good reason for shooting. Uh, I did see a video on Twitter, and uh, you can hear several, you know, popping of the guns. Um, but I, I don't think that, you know, the FBI is out there executing American citizens without reason. My guess is that he pulled the gun or pointed a gun, or they thought he had a gun. Um, but I am, 
even though I'm cautiously suspicious, I, I like to be pro law enforcement. Um, and if, uh, you know, this is a bad look for them. I, I mean, it's a bad look, you know, it kind of casts a shadow over Biden's whole visit, but you know, I, I don't believe this was an execution. So I'd, I'd I'm going to reserve, you know, any full opinion until more facts come out. Yeah, we should all uh, reserve our our judgment until we see all the facts. Um, it is disturbing, though, and uh, uh, yeah. So FBI, share the info. Let's. He was like, you know, e- even trying to take him into custody was probably an overreaction. But you know, it's easy to armchair quarterback. You know, on the other hand, had he shot and and wounded or killed President Biden, everybody would be saying, oh, my gosh, this guy was on their radar. They talked to him six months ago. Why didn't they do something? So it's one of those people waiting to see what happens. And then they 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 after the benefit of the knowledge of what happened, then they form their opinion as to what the FBI should have done without the benefit of knowing what happened. It's it's always easier to second guess. Yeah. All right. Good enough. That's it. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Corey. Bye bye.